The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Sorry about yesterday. I will make it up uh, for you with a podcast on Saturday like I did last week. Tommy, I didn't even tell you. I did a podcast last week where I was kind of just winging something, to be honest with you. But a lot of people really enjoyed it. I put together the top eight moments, wow moments, of Washington's football season because I was thinking about the season as it was winding down. They still hadn't played the Giants. And there were some moments this year that were like stand up on your seat and and yell, like if you were actually really into the game. Like, you know, when Taylor Heineke gave himself up, you know, right, right before the goal line and then went did it went and did the uh the Lambo leap. Um when Russell Wilson you know, hadn't done anything. They had gone three and out on six straight drives, and then he drives them down the field and throws a touchdown pass, and they nearly blow that game. The, the, the Cole Holcomb pick six against the Cowboys, which put him within a touchdown. Like, you know, the, the missed field goal by Hopkins and then the made field goal. Um, so I counted down the top eight wow moments of the season they it was my list you know eight to one um and people seemed to enjoy that I didn't know what to do on Saturday and I have to produce a certain number of podcasts each week for the advertisers and we missed a day last week and I forget what the reason was um but I'm I've got a a couple of other ideas that I'm going to do on Saturday so I'm looking forward to you that you you are you never are short on ideas (laughs) Not all of them are good, though. Not all of them are no, good. But, but you've got a lot of ideas. <laughs> always, you know? a, always ideas, but not always um, well executed, <laughs> shall we say? Uh, by the way, on the radio show this morning, if you want to go listen to the team 980com I had Tommy Shepard on the show, um, and I asked him about you know this you know trade deadline, which we are less than a month away from, and whether or not he's going to have to get from Bradley Beal some some sort of an assurance or commitment, you know, verbal commitment that he's going to sign a contract extension at the end of the year. And he answered that. You can hear what he said um, on the radio show. Also, I had uh, Mike Shanahan on the radio show this morning. Oh, wow. And... 
Mike was talking a lot about the 49ers, a lot about the 49ers-Cowboys matchup, and also I went down a list of sort of the quarterbacks that may or may not be in play for Washington and got his thoughts on those. And let me just tell you that um, he really does love Deshaun Watson as a player, but he's not really sure how that whole thing will play out. The Mitch Trubisky stuff that we've talked a lot about, because I think the organization likes Mitch Trubisky, and I think he would be you know, inexpensive, and you could draft somebody as well. Um, I certainly got the impression from Mike that he isn't necessarily the biggest fan of Mitch Trubisky. Um, And uh, as far as the college quarterbacks go, he said, I haven't looked at any of them, but I'm going to when the season ends. I thought there was some interesting stuff that he said about Jimmy Garoppolo, too. Because, you know, think about the 49ers here, Tommy, entering these playoffs. What if Jimmy G and the 49ers go on a big run? Like, if you're the 49ers and Garoppolo plays well and you go back to a Super Bowl again, so it would be the second time in, you know, three seasons, what do you do? With, what do you do? I mean, because you, you traded up and drafted Trey Lance. I mean, that's the quarterback that is your future. I think it's. And then what do you do? What do you do if you're Kyle and you've always had this, this burning hole in your soul? Or you know who, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, because you've got new management in Minnesota, he becomes available. I think the Minnesota situation of all of the openings, I think the Chicago opening is very interesting, definitely. Um, but I think the Minnesota opening um, is the most interesting because, you know, their fan base is very much the same way Washington's was. Um, you know, during Gruden, Bruce, and Kirk. Like, it was Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, and Kirk. And all of them were incredibly polarizing. Kirk is incredibly polarizing in Minnesota. They have, you know, there's the faction, half the fan base loves him and thinks the other half is insane for not getting it, that you can't do that much better, you know, or it's hard to do that much better. Um, other than the elite quarterbacks. And then the other half do the same thing that our fan base did, which is, do you know what his record is? Do you know what his fourth quarter, you know, uh, stuff is? Well, I mean, you know, I think every, to be honest, to be totally fair, I I think every side has, um, you know, a legitimate gripe. I can't stand when it gets out of control from an exaggeration standpoint on the other end, but he isn't an elite quarterback, you know, he isn't a playmaker. He isn't a strap the team to his back leader. That's not what he is. What he is, is he's somewhere between 10 and 14. And if you put a, a good team around him, he can play pretty high level football, you know, at the position as he has there for the last couple of years. And they just haven't been very good defensively the last couple of years or on special teams, especially their kicker. But I think that they're going to really go after an offensive head coach like Doug Peterson. And then a guy like Peterson, you know, off of the Andy Reid tree, a Super Bowl winning coach. It'll be interesting to see if he wants to keep a guy like Cousins next year at a $45 million salary cap or not. I personally think Minnesota will, whoever takes that job, will end up trying to restructure and extend Kirk. But if not, you know, you've got Cleveland, you've got Denver, 
I mean, theoretically, you've got Washington, but, who would be... I know, but my, my question is, does Kyle have an obsession with Kirk? I mean, all these years, yeah. has he lived with the quarterback who he... Has he lived without the quarterback who he really wants? Yes. We know that to be true, but it's too late because they traded up and drafted Trey Lance, you know, nine months ago. It's never too late to, to, make, to, 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 to erase your mistakes. Well, uh, who's to say that they made a mistake with Trey Lance? Right, right. Exactly. Well, you know, he may think so if Kirk Cousins is out there. He may think, I don't know Kyle very well, uh, but uh, – I mean, and I don't know what its mentality is now. Uh, it's just kind of interesting that, uh, you know, even if, if they accomplish something short of a Super Bowl, but they're happy with their quarterback situation, and you're right, they traded up uh, to get the, the, the young quarterback they wanted, and Kirk Cousins is out there, probably nothing will happen. It'll just be curious. Yeah, I think actually, the, I think there are a lot of curious situations this year. I mean, I think Derek Carr is a very interesting situation in Vegas. Like if if Derek Carr with a new with a new coaching staff that comes in, let's just say that there is a new coaching staff that comes in. I think there will be. I don't think Rich Pisacci is going to be the head coach, but maybe if they make a run here, he is. I don't understand personally the discussion about Derek Carr being someone that the Raiders would want to trade if Derek Carr is what many people think he is. I mean, if the, the Raiders don't have – and Marcus Mariota isn't his replacement. They run a lot of no. stuff with Mariota, you know, in, in their dual threat stuff and their zone read game. Um, so he plays. But I, I think many in our fan base, in Washington's fan base – would be enamored with the possibility of trading for Derek Carr and then giving him a long-term deal. I'm not a big Derek Carr fan. I never have been. But I admit that he would be a significant upgrade over what they have. And if they couldn't you know, hit bigger, um, I wouldn't be unhappy about Derek Carr, but I would certainly wonder why. Why did the Raiders want to trade Derek Carr? What, wh- who are they going to replace him with? You know, I remember, and I told this story this morning, very early in the morning on the radio show, because you'll remember this, because you and I were doing the show together at the time. When Washington traded for Donovan McNabb on Easter Sunday, 2010, um, it was one of the first moves made after they hired Mike Shanahan and Bruce Allen. We've told this story many times. Mike basically wanted um, the guy that was with St. Louis, uh, the West Virginia Mark quarterback. Bulger. Mark Bulger. And Bulger was going to retire. He wanted Bulger to be right. his you know, interim solution until he found or was able to draft you know, the quarterback of the future. Uh, but Bulger said he was going to retire. And Bruce apparently didn't really want Bulger. Um, and so... Uh, Mike said, well, I'll take Donovan, but bottom line is I don't want Donovan for more than a fourth rounder, and we're not giving him a new deal. Well, they traded a second and a fourth rounder, and they gave him a new deal. Um, And that was the beginning of such a wonderful relationship between a borderline Hall of Fame coach, I think he is, with, you know, multiple future playoff and Super Bowl contending head coaches on the staff. Um, great job out of, of, out of Dan and Bruce, of course, as we know. But 
I remember specifically saying, because I was called to do a, a hit on ESPN, you know, Kevin Sheehan, radio person in D.C., what do you think about the Donovan McNabb trade? And I remember, I'll never forget what I said. I said, well, uh, it really reeks of the way they've done business in the past, and wouldn't you wonder why Andy Reid would trade Donovan McNabb within the division. Uh, that's what you know occurred to me when I heard the news a couple of hours ago. Well, that was the first and only time in all of those years <laughs> working for Red Zebra. I've, I've told this story before. The only time yeah. I ever got a call because the owner was not happy. He happened to have been watching, and he wasn't very happy, and he wondered why I and everybody else wasn't super excited about the deal. Well, you know, our good, you know, our, our, our friend Bruce Gilbert smoothed everything over. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, look, I'm just telling, you know, I'm just answering the question and saying how I feel. I mean, it's exciting that they have a Donovan McNabb, but if you're not wondering as a fan, you know, why Andy Reid would trade him within the division, well, I think you're missing something. So not that Derek Carr is a quarterback in the division, but I don't get if Derek Carr is all of that, why would the Raiders trade Derek Carr? He's coming off two excellent years. They're in the playoffs. And I, how are you're not guaranteed to do better than Derek Carr in the offseason? Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that it would not be a smart move for them to trade Derek Carr. I would like to have Derek Carr as the quarterback of my team. I could think of quarterbacks I like more. But uh, you're right. I mean, even though Washington has one of the great quarterbacks of the 21st century playing for them this year uh, for this organization. Uh, <laughs> one, of their, one of their best their of the great. 21st one of their great. century. Yes. yes. Uh, Derek Carr <laughs> would, would obviously be a significant upgrade. Let me throw a name out for you here. Carson Wentz. Well, no. Um, first of all, uh, didn't he sign? He's he's under contract in Indianapolis. Yeah, but but supposedly the talk is that they may be willing to to pay him the lease. He's got he's got three more years on his deal. Um, and the, I know that and the, it would cost. I, I, if Carson Wentz is one and done in Indy, it'll cost them fifteen million dollars yeah, cash. Yeah, fifteen million to put him in the open market. Yeah, fifteen million dollars right. cap hit. I'm looking at that right now. N- no, yeah, the answer is no. I'm not. Boy, you know, if Frank Reich, here's the truth about Carson Wentz. I mean, he totally est the bed on Sunday in the biggest game of the year for them against an awful opponent. But he had some really good games this year. But uh, there's something about what there's something about watching Carson Wentz this year with Frank Reich, which would, this was going to be the guy that would get the most out of him. And Carson Wentz, you know, threw for 3600 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And they had a great running game with Jonathan Taylor, and they had a you know really good offensive line. 
Um, there were some, you know, results that really crushed them. Ultimately, they had so many close losses. They had the close loss to the, to the Raiders last week. They had that close loss to Tampa. They had the close loss. They they lost two overtime games in which they had the lead in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. They had a big lead in the second half. Um, I don't. If Frank Reich wants to move on from Carson Wentz, then I would be very skeptical, and I'd be like, "That's a big red flag." I agree. That would that would be the same for me too. I don't see any quarterback guru on this Washington staff who's better than Frank Reich. And if he couldn't do it, then that I would assume that you can, we're, we're not going to be able to do any better than, than what you saw from Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Uh, look, I want to get back to the Houston quarterback situation and Washington, uh-huh. but I wanted to ask you something. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Colts, uh, you saw Andrew Luck. On, on Sunday, right? You yeah, saw with, 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 with RG3, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the College Football Hall of Fame uh, ballot came out the other day, mm-hmm. and Andrew Luck was on it. Yeah. And Robert Griffin III was not. It um, is RG... I, they're, I'm assuming they're both eligible? You know, uh, maybe not. Maybe that's I why mean, not. See, I think because RG three played played last year. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. But that would that be for okay, the college so, football so, hall of fame? I, I don't no, know. No, that wouldn't be for the college football hall of fame. I don't think that would impact it. Well, so I was just curious. RG three is a RG three is a college football hall of fame player. Y- yes, he is. I just thought it was curious why he wasn't on the ballot. I don't know. I don't know what so. the I don't know if it's something that you can't be on the ballot until you've completed your NFL career for a few years. I don't know. I don't know, but Andrew Luck was on the ballot. I'm He's looking obviously a Hall of Famer and I mean I always thought those two were kind of joined at the hip in a way. Yeah, I mean Luck was as a prospect, as an NFL prospect, one of the highest rated quarterback prospects since John Elway. I mean, RG3 was not at that level as a prospect. But as a college football player, Robert Griffin III is a Heisman Trophy winner. Andrew Luck isn't. Yes. Um, Yes. I'm looking at the list. Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the list of the college football class of 2022. LeVar Arrington's on it. LeVar Arrington and Champ Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. Yes. And you know what? They're both on it. Both of them were college football Hall of Fame players. I mean, LeVar Arrington's. Oh. I've always said was one of the one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in football. Uh, what he what he did at Penn State was absolutely amazing. I, think... I mean, part of his problem he was so talented. He he just thought that the talent would would trump everything, and I kind of understood that because he was that talented. <laughs> Sean Taylor's obviously the greatest. What if? in Washington football team history, right? I mean, that's kind of a given. Um, I, I think when his jersey was clumsily retired by the team a few months ago, I did this, maybe we, you and I have talked about it or not, but I, we brought up LeVar Arrington and I brought up Jordan Reed. Like, both of those players, in terms of, like, true, outrageously talented players in the organization during the Dan Snyder era, 
Those are the three. Now, I think Chase Young and his talent, I'm hoping that what I saw at college translates to the NFL talent-wise. But LeVar Arrington's talent, like the year he played for Marty, I mean, it was so exciting because I was like, oh, my God, here we go. He's got his Derek Thomas. He's got his great defensive player. He's got his leader, a guy that's bought in when, remember, Daryl Green and Bruce Smith and everybody, you know, all the other guys were essentially checking out because they hated, you know, they hated Marty. I mean, LeVar Arrington had the game-changing play of the Marty Schottenheimer season, the interception against Carolina when they were down 14-0 and headed to 0-6. And he returned it for a touchdown. They ended up winning that game and then winning eight of their final 11 games. I mean, LeVar was a freak. And I still don't know. Look, injuries were a big part of why LeVar Arrington did not reach his potential as an NFL player. But whatever was going on in Washington was strange. Because remember... You know, we, we often forget just about the contract thing with Snyder. Remember that he lost out on like a million bucks or two million bucks. I forget exactly what it was because he he signed the deal too late or they didn't. And it was some sort of technicality that the organization basically didn't make good on. Do you remember that? Yes. There was another thing, too, where he got involved in a big dispute. I think with the players' union about jerseys, about selling his jersey, that I, was an issue as well. I don't remember that one. I remember the. Re- I, you know what? He had a lot of he had a lot of stuff that seemed to get in the way of what his job was going to be. Well, at what, that time, because because he thought he was bigger than a football player, he saw himself as some kind of transcendental. You know, because he's a smart guy, he's uh, he's very personable. Yes, both of those uh, things. And he saw himself bigger than the football field. And you know, some of these guys don't recognize that if you do your job and excel on the football field, they'll be lining up to do business with you. But first, you've got to do your job. Look, I think, God, I think he's an interesting conversation. Because, you know, there were years there where there, his jersey was the number one jersey in that crowd. You know, in terms of the this era, you know, of players. Um, he was, at times, incredible to watch. But he was also really the first pet of the owner. You know, in terms of, I want to be friends with LeVar Arrington, because remember, that's the first draft, the Chris samuels LeVar Arrington draft. And LeVar was a yes. star. I mean, LeVar had charisma. As you said, LeVar was smart. Um, everything about LeVar reeked of what we know Dan Snyder loves to be around, as weird as it is, no matter the age difference. And then you had that contract thing where it seemed that the organization – kind of screwed LeVar. But, um, uh, by the way, I think LeVar was smarter and more savvy than maybe RG3 was in terms of I never heard stories that LeVar leveraged that relationship with Dan Snyder into the obnoxious ways in which RG3 did. But there was that contract thing, there were the injuries, and then the other thing, Tommy, 
was just the relationship that he had with Gibbs, Greg Williams, and Dale Lindsay. Dale Lindsay being the linebackers coach. Because remember, um, Warwick Holdman was that his name? I think that was his name. Yeah. He this dude was playing games with Lavar not getting snaps when he was healthy, and we were all like, "What is going on here?" Something, you know, there was a lot of discussion about how he played kind of freestyle and didn't play the scheme and wasn't coachable. I don't know what any of the truth to that is, but because Gibbs was here during those years, I'm obviously going to side on on with Joe Gibbs that there were definite reasons why he didn't play at times when he was healthy and that eventually they moved on from him. But I would not discount the possibility that it was the relationship with the owner both ways, first very positive and then turned negative, that made it difficult for him here. But injuries ultimately but are what did him in. Well, but here's the other – Here, I found the story – uh, it was a Washington Post uh, in 2004. Uh, LeVar Arrington's attorney contended his client never agreed to the NFL Players Association group licensing agreement, which grants permission to sell merchandises with LeVar Arrington's likeness or image, including his jersey. He basically uh, he sent a letter to Reebok advising the company to use Ar- stop using Arrington's likeness. He got into too many of these disputes. Yeah, I don't. You know, there were, I mean, he's fighting with the union about about his, his jersey. He's fighting with the coaches about you know following the scheme. He's fighting with the team about his salary. That got in the way. I just found. I, I don't. I didn't remember that one. So that's that's a good pull. But I just found the contract stuff, and this is this is. I mean. I remember thinking, wow, I mean, first of all, LeVar's agent, and secondly, the organization didn't make this right. Here's what happened. Um, After four years with the Redskins, Arrington signed an eight-year, $68 million contract extension. His agent, Carl Poston, was accused of neglecting to inspect the final revision of the contract in which $6.5 million worth of bonuses contained in earlier drafts were missing. Poston was eventually suspended for two years by the National Football League Players Association over the mishandling of Arrington's contract. Arrington did not support the NFLPA's decision. Arrington's final two seasons with the Skins were marred by knee injuries, etc. Um, in March 2006, Arrington paid the Redskins $4.4 million to buy his way into free agency. So the $6.5 million worth of bonuses... The team didn't put it back into the deal. They said, "Sorry, your con, your 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 agent inspected the final revision to the contract and didn't, you know, note that that was missing. You signed it. Too bad, boy. That is not in the spirit of 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 a relationship, you know, with somebody that you want to be a long term relationship with, especially well, it if sounds, it wasn't done intentionally. What? Go ahead. It sounds vindictive." Incredibly vindictive. Well, but 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 yes. the answer is but but the question is why? 
Like, did they take it out on purpose to try to trip up Poston to try to get out of the six and a half million? Or was it just a mistake? And since they went ahead and signed it, they said, oh, we got a break. So, well, sorry, you signed it. That's the deal. Like, I, I don't know. I always found LeVar just the, the one of the greatest what-ifs because of his talent and because, Tommy, I always thought he was bright and thoughtful. Even as a broadcaster, remember, he did radio in this market for a few years on 106.7 The Fan. And I thought that he I, – I, I, and even when he does stuff on NFL Network, and I haven't seen him necessarily recently, and maybe he does radio somewhere else or nationally, I don't know – but I always thought he was pretty good. Um, he was terrible on the radio locally. You know what? He was you brutal. and Andy and Zabe thought that. I did not agree with you. I thought he was very, very opinionated, and I thought he was fearless when it came to going after the team. But whatever. I thought he was, he sounded like an idiot sometimes on the radio, literally. I didn't think that. I mean, I, 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 I didn't I, listen I to that show terrible. a lot necessarily because, well, you were friends with his partner, um, uh, right. Dukes. Um, I but, didn't, that, I, but not then I wasn't. Oh, okay, whenever. Oh, you didn't go on I didn't when, even when know Chad was there? Then. Yeah. No, I didn't even know Chad. And let's face it, this guy's burned a, a few bridges and has not consistently – found a place to land since he stopped playing. Yeah. Which yeah. I think speaks to a little bit that he may be difficult to work with. Maybe. Maybe. Because he may have a very all. inflated opinion of himself, uh, and understandably why, but he's not playing linebacker in the NFL anymore. Well, <laughs> he wouldn't be playing now anyway. He's got to be in his late. I know. It's got, at this point, he was drafted in 2000, so we're 22 yeah, years I later. Know. He's got to be 44 years old, you know? He's 43 or 44 years old probably, 45 maybe. Um, so anyway, uh, but back to the what if. Sean Taylor, Jordan Reed, um, LeVar Arrington, and this era of – you know, and and by the way, who knows what's going to happen with Chase Young? I mean, you want him to get back and healthy. By the way, did you, we did we we did talk about the other day his answer to the "Will you be at yes. OTAs?" Right? Okay, well, yeah, thought we did. Yes, he did. And basically, did you know? I, I mean, w- it sounds like a guy who still doesn't doesn't get it yet. But we'll I, see. We we we're we're kind of um, you know going all over the place here. But back to the quarterback thing. Um, yes. Ron Rivera told J.P. Finley in an interview on NBC Sports Washington something yesterday that I'm going to play for all of you when you when we come back. There are two sound clips, and you have to hear both of them, and then we're going to react certainly to both of them as well. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That really helps us. It doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us wherever you can, especially on Apple and Spotify. That helps a lot. Many of you have done that in the last few days. Need even more of you to do it if you haven't done it. It's just a big, big help for us. Um, if you can rate us and review us, five stars is nice. Uh, we'll take four, but five preferred. And just a quick one to two sentence uh, review on how much you like the podcast. Um, by the way, I also had Doug Kammerer on the show um, this morning talking about the storm this weekend. And Tommy, I didn't find this out until very late last night, and I kind of felt guilty because I had already invited Doug to come on the radio show. But Sue Palka is retiring. She announced it on the air last night. Um, that I've ap- seen it on social media. Yeah. That after 36 and a half years, all at Channel 5, Sue is going to retire. She's one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. She's a total pro. She's an excellent forecaster. She's been there since 1985. I mean, when I worked at Channel 5, it was five years after, you know, she had been there. Um, And I've known Sue forever and anybody that's ever worked at Channel 5, and I was only there briefly for two years. Um, But as you know, we've had Sue on the podcast. We've had Sue on the radio show over the years. She's one of my favorite people. Um, So I'm going to certainly reach out to her today to see if she'll come on and talk about the storm tomorrow uh, on radio or the podcast, one of the two. But um, she's the best. And uh, it's amazing because, you know, if you've you've watched her recently, it looks like she could do it for another 36 and a half years. Um, But what a – I mean, you talk about um, in this – for somebody to be in one place for 36 and a half years, you got to be really good. And then on top of it, you've got to be really well liked, which she always was. In that business, in, in the television business, absolutely. Yeah. And you, now I got to ask you yes. if she's going to retire, is that something that you're interested in? You're going to go for that job? No, no, I'm not going to go no? for that job. No. You're not um, going to be like the Channel 5 weather guy? God, you know, I, I, I've thought about, like, 
would I be able to get up there and actually do the weather? Like, because I'm not a meteorologist, obviously, but Willard Scott wasn't either. But I'd be serious about the weather. Um, could I do it? I know I could explain it well, and I know how to get the information. I but but these people have studied it. They're pros. No, of course Listen, not. I need I need to, <laughs> we need to start a movement. Everybody out there listening to the no. podcast, you need you need to bombard Channel Five with requests to put Kevin Sheehan on the air as their meteorologist. First of all, I don't know. Right, their forecast. I don't know who else does like weekends and stuff, and who's next in line. So I would never want to do that. But you know what? Sue would tell you she would. She would say, I think Kevin could do it. <laughs> she would. She lo- there she, you go. She has, well, Tommy, you know this because you've been with me when, like, my phone's rung before a big storm, and Sue will say, hey, uh, the, the track, did you look at the latest GFS? And I'll be like, uh, let me look at it real quickly. <laughs> and then she'll say, is this similar to the storm in 99 or 96? And I'll be like, nah, the track was a little bit further. Okay, thanks. I just wanted to make sure. Um but obviously, Sue's the best, and so uh, we wish this her... The, this is the campaign, everybody. No, it's not. I don't... Kevin Sheehan, Channel don't... 5 weatherman. You know that weather is the most watched part of a, a local newscast. It's a... It's a set... Well, I look, I, I know. I, I, uh, whenever I wrote about the weather for the Baltimore Sun, mm-hmm. they put it on the front page. <laughs> Didn't well... matter, really, what the story was. It was a weather story. It was on the page one. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah. By the way, just speaking of ratings real quickly, did you see that in 2021, 91 of the top 100 television shows were NFL games during the 2021 NFL season? 48 of the top 50 were NFL games. Remember that period of time in I'm not saying that you argued against me on this because I don't think you did. I think you do. Well, you have said in the past that you think the NFL is eventually going to be much less than what it is, you know, sort of travel the route that boxing has traveled because of the concussion issue. Well, look, 2015, 2016, when those ratings took sort of a, you know, significant for them anyway, step back, we had an incredible, you know, election in 2016 and we had the Colin Kaepernick situation but the NFL is healthier than ever. John Orand, who writes for Sports Business Journal, who I have on the radio show a lot, he, 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 he said that essentially the only thing keeping over-the-air broadcast television alive is live sports in the NFL yes. specifically because of you know everything else is you know streamed. Um, yes, he's, he, he's right. In that, it's, like, it's like television is frozen in time in the NFL while the rest of television is going to extinction. I know. It's crazy. Well, you know, but, but you've, got, you've got like this, the last dinosaur that, that is, is roaming the earth, and it's still a king. Well, it's a T-Rex, that's for sure. I mean, this thing is, yes, is, is. is incredibly – it's a behemoth that just never, ever stops. And 
you know, we're reminded of it almost every week because last Sunday was just an incredible day. You know, the Ravens-Steelers game going to overtime in the 1 o'clock window, the 49ers-Rams game going to overtime with a playoff spot on the line in the, in the late afternoon window, and then the epic Raiders-Chargers game on Sunday night. And we'll get one or two of those, you know, over the next couple of weeks too. And I mean, the ratings, by the way, I I wanted to, um, let me see if I have this accessible real quickly because the, uh, they, 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 the top 16 programs on television since the 2021 NFL season began are all NFL games. And the number one NFL game was that Raiders-Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game, which is the highest-rated NFL game on television in 31 years. 31 years. Um, so wow. we're, we'll see a lot of that, especially, by the way, if the weather remains bad uh, on the East Coast. That's always a huge driver. And as far as the storm goes this weekend, um, watch Sue and Doug tonight and Topper. They're all good. Uh, but it's going to be a and big storm. you'll be watching Kevin. It's, it's a, it'll be a big storm for somebody. We're, it, for those in the metro area, we're going to get a couple of inches of snow and then ice, but that's all subject to change. Okay, I wanted to get to the interview that J.P. Finley does each week on NBC Sports Washington with Ron Rivera because yesterday's interview produced two interesting answers. Uh, I'm going to play this first clip for you. Uh, You'll hear JP talk about quarterback. He'll get into the quarterback conversation in a way that makes Ron laugh and give a very, I think, very honest answer. Um, And then the follow-up has to do with kind of whether or not a trade uh, uh, for a quarterback is a possibility. But here's the first clip, JP Finley and Ron Rivera. Looking ahead now, uh, I hear you guys might need a quarterback. <laughs> That's an understatement, dude. <laughs> what do you do? You look. You know, we've got four opportunities. We've got four avenues, okay? Is that guy currently on our roster? We have a guy that we like who competes the heck out of it in, in, in Taylor. Um, is that guy out in free agency? You know, we'll look and see who's available. We're going to evaluate all those guys. Um, potential trades. We'll look at that as well, you know? And the, the, the fourth one, obviously, is the draft, the draft process. And we will go through the draft process, and we will deal with all four and see what happens. So that was Ron Rivera on the whole quarterback, you know, big picture. That's an understatement, he says, uh, dude, to JP. Um, then JP asked him about the trade possibilities specifically. Here's what he said. When we talk about, you know, trading, whether it's trading – for a player or trading up in the draft, what will what will it take? Yeah, we'll, we can have an earnest con, uh, conversation where we may say it's going to take not just draft picks, coach, but it may take a, a core player or two. You know, with the depth we have in certain positions, we might be. So again, to your question, yeah, that, that's a possibility, JP. So there are two takeaways real quickly for me from these two comments, Tommy, and then you can weigh in and we can have a conversation. The first one is this. That the second comment that he made specifically last year, they were willing to make a trade for a quarterback. They offered picks for Matt Stafford, but they were unwilling to part with a key player. When it came to the draft, he discussed that the price to move up was too high because they didn't want to part with any players. 
Well, I think he told you in that sound clip, the second one, that this year their mindset will be a little bit different, that maybe they feel like they have some depth. Maybe they're more willing to part with a player as part of a trade. That's number one. Number two was the first comment he made, which is hardly a big reveal. But when he says um, that's an understatement and laughs about it, the bottom line is the paths, the four paths or the four opportunities to get a quarterback, you know, evaluating their own players in their own roster, the draft, free agency trades. Well, the evaluating their own roster, that's not an, a, a real opportunity. The, the, the quarterback of next year and beyond in terms of the, the everyday starter does not exist on their roster right now. And I think he told you that as well. Again, not that that's a big surprise. There's, there's a side pass to that. I mean, it's evaluating your own compared to your options. That's a different, that's a different road. In other words, they don't have any other options, right? There's nothing to compare Taylor Heineke to right now. Like if Mitch Trubisky becomes available, then the path is, is that an upgrade from Taylor Heineke? Well, they thought it was perhaps even before the trade deadline, you know, when there were stories and rumors and reports that Washington was interested. There was one story. Well, we know that they were interested in Trubisky in last offseason, too. Okay. Okay. I'm just pointing out that, I mean, their evaluation of what they think of their quarterbacks now is obvious based on what Ron Rivera said. It's not obvious based on what their options would be to compare it to. Man, you're starting to sound like me. You can't start shooting people until you have a solution. Um, and, <laughs> and that's true. I mean, you have to You've got just because you want Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Mitch Trubisky, there's no guarantee like last year with Matt Stafford that you're going to land that quarterback. Now, you do have more control in the draft in selecting a guy, but you really have to love that guy. You got to really feel like it's a major upgrade. Um, But I think, you know, the bottom line is not that this is a big reveal. Quarterback's the number one priority. They're going to look at free agency trades and the draft to acquire a quarterback, maybe two of them. Um, And I think that last part of it where, you know, he essentially says for all intents and purposes, you know, we'd be aggressive if it's for the right guy in a trade. Remember, last year when we were having these conversations about Deshaun Watson specifically, before all of the you know allegations and then ultimately the, the 22-plus civil lawsuits, I basically said I, you can't, you, it's going to be hard for you to come up with a price that I would think would be too expensive. I mean, within reason. You know, I'm not going to do a Ricky Williams, you know, draft, uh, you know, Mike Ditka, you know, Charlie Casserly style. Um, but I said I'd give up Chase Young last year. I'd give up, you know, multiple firsts, multiple seconds in Chase Young for Deshaun Watson, and I wouldn't even think about it. And most of you said I was completely out of my mind. Now, I would not have given up Chase Young for Matt Stafford. I would not have given up, you know, Chase Young for somebody like Derek Carr or, what, you know, I forget the other possibilities. But for Deshaun Watson, before all of the stuff came out, 100% yes. 
Um, and I think hopefully many of you now realize that you you just are a, you're you're non you're totally a, a non-factor without one of these quarterbacks. You're just going to tread water, and in this organization, because you're already working at an organizational disadvantage, you're just going to keep losing. Uh, you know, so the only way out of this thing is an, a true franchise difference-making quarterback. So I think they know that. And then the other thing I was going to add to this, Tommy, and then I know you have some things you want to say about Deshaun Watson, um, is that because 2-2-22 starts like the organization from scratch – you know, it'll almost be and feel like it's an expansion team with a new name and new branding. You know, hopefully, and I think we we know this already, the colors aren't going to change. Um, but, and you know, by, by the way, I was thinking about that, this. I don't even care if the colors did change. They're not going to. I used to care about that, but now I don't even care about that. I'd rather get an expansion team uh, if it meant that the Snyders moved on uh, with this group. But... Um, it's going to be a whole new start. And the one thing that Dan Snyder understands is he ain't selling a bunch of new tickets just because they got a new name, which, by the way, most people are going to hate, probably. He's got to – it's got to come with, oh, by the way, we just traded for Aaron Rodgers or we just traded for Russell Wilson. Now, the Deshaun Watson thing, of course, is very complicated. Or maybe it isn't for many of you. Maybe it's an absolute abs, absolute no, or maybe you're like, absolutely yes. I don't know. Um, but they're going, they're swinging big this offseason for a quarterback. Uh, they may miss, to your point, but they're going after something big. That's my, that's, that, that would be what I would be thinking about doing. And if I were as passionate a fan as I used to be, I would be screaming, this is what they have to do. You know, Rodgers isn't coming here. Wilson's not coming here. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's got a no-trade clause. None of these are probably truly viable. But I'd be thinking that kind of big. And I think they are. Well, Matt Stafford was almost that kind of big. Yes. You know, and yep. they did take a shot. Yeah, big did shot. Did they take their best shot? Do you think they took their best shot? I do. I think that they thought they were going to okay. get him up until, you know, okay. Rivera ran into Matt Stafford and Cabo or wherever they were. Yeah. Okay. I know I reported early in the year that Matt Ryan may want out of Atlanta. Every report since then has said the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Including recently. But you never know. I mean, what people say and what people do are two different things. Uh, if Matt Ryan were available, is that a guy who you would consider a big swing? Yeah. Um, so the the biggest swings, I think he's thirty seven. Yeah, the biggest swings are obviously Rogers, Wilson, Watson. Then you get to the next right. tier, which you know I'm I'm keeping Kirk out of there because he's not a possibility because they're not they no. just they're not Dan's not going to allow that. Um, but the next category would be like the Cousins, Carr, and then if Matt Ryan were available, and then you get to the Trubisky's and the Winston's and the Tyrod Taylor's 
And, you know, I'm forgetting names right now um, of people available. I, I, I had a list up earlier and I can't find it. But you see, that, 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 that level, to me, is not an upgrade. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. I don't think it is. Okay. Well, uh, upgrade over who? Taylor Heineke? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Give me, give me the names that you're thinking of that are, are not Okay, Jameis Winston. How many games has Jameis Winston played in the NFL? What, 50? Over his career, maybe? I don't know. I think, the, okay. it, it, first of all, the, you know, there's a, a lot of question, obviously, with him be coming off the torn ACL. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, Trubisky. You think Trubisky is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke? I'm not a Trubisky fan, but I think he's an upgrade over uh, Heineke. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I Let's can't. Let's remember, yeah. this is Heineke's first starting season. Okay, he's right. Keep, keep presenting him okay. as a rookie at 29 years old. I didn't say he's a rookie. Okay. I know how old he is. Nobody knows his, his, that he's a journeyman more than me. He, he, should, he should put it on his driver's license, journeyman. Okay? Right. But to me, that's not worth an upgrade. Mitch Trubisky is not an upgrade. I don't think Jameis Winston is an upgrade. I think if you give Taylor Heineke 50 NFL starts, he's going to have a better career than Jameis Winston has. Really? There's no, there's no, yeah. well, okay, I'd have to look this up, but I would bet you that there's no chance he's tracking towards anything resembling what Jameis Winston's done in his career. Uh, statistically, okay, statistically. Um, I mean, Jameis Winston has had some math. He threw for 5,000 yards two years ago. Um, but I, but uh, look, I think one of the things that, is telling about Jameis Winston is that we don't know how it would have turned out this year. He got hurt, okay? But it wasn't trending towards Sean Payton and Jameis Winston being a match made in heaven. It didn't seem to be trending towards that. You know, he had a really good game here, had an excellent game here. Um, but I, I don't uh, – to me, Sean Payton was going to be the ultimate guy to get the most out of Jameis Winston, who I thought – had a chance to have a big bounce back year. You know, he was, you know, through the seven games before he got hurt, he had thrown for 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, had a 102.8 passer rating, um, was completing 59% of his passes. And what were they? They were four and three or three and four, something like that. And the season really did for them kind of fall apart when he got hurt, but that's because they had to play Trevor Simeon. I mean, they didn't really have the backup situation there. Um, Gino, uh, was it Geno Smith? No, Geno Smith was playing for Seattle. Did, did he get hurt? Which game did he get hurt in? Did he get hurt in our game? I don't remember. I think he got hurt like in the game afterwards. But no, Jameis Winston, Tommy, I mean, he, threw, he threw for, he's thrown for 4,000 yards multiple times, over 5,000 in that last year in Tampa. And I know, I know what I know how many interceptions he threw. I do realize that. Um, no, look at the weapons. Those weapons he had in Tampa were the weapons that Tom Brady took to the Super Bowl. No, yeah, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, obviously. But he's. Well, my point is, but he would be an upgrade. What, he'd, be, he'd, be an, he'd be an upgrade Taylor over Taylor Heineke, Heineke. Had Taylor Heineke had for the most part Terry McLaurin. Right. That's it. 
And Jameis Winston this year didn't have much at all, you know, because, you know, Michael Thomas got hurt and people were injured all over the the board for that team, you know, on offense early on, including when they played here and he had his best game. Um, Right. No, I look, if you're asking me Jameis Winston healthy or Taylor Heineke, Jameis Winston, not even close for me. Okay, but Jameis... Jameis Winston's not healthy. No, he well, he had no, an ACL most, injury. Most yeah. of, look, that's a bad one for me to pick. I'm going to stick with Mitch Trubisky. The third level, almost every quarterback on the third level, I don't think is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Well, I, I don't, I'm not a Mitch Trubisky fan since he, on fourth and two in a playoff game last year against the Saints, instead of going for it, ran out of bounds. That was the moment that I'm like – because there were always moments uh, that Trubisky had in Chicago. I'm like, this guy's pretty good. Like, I I always kind of felt like there's something to him. And I understand why there's some interest at times in a guy like Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that, that one season he had was a really good season. In Chicago. I mean, I don't think, quite honestly, Taylor Heineke's capable of having the season that Trubisky had the year that they went, uh, whatever they went, 11 and 5 or 11 and uh, 12 and 4 or whatever it was um, in 2017, whatever season that was. Uh, I'm pulling up his thing right now as we speak so I can speak to it more intelligently. Uh, 2018, when he made the Pro Bowl, um, he, he was 11 and 3 as a starter. Uh, 67% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, was a big-time runner as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't see Taylor Heineke capable of that kind of a season. I don't, but I'm not – Really? A, but no, I don't. You but don't I, think he can throw 24 touchdowns over the course of, six, of 17 games? Yeah, but um, – yeah, I do. I just don't know that he would and have that kind of impact. you don't think he for 3,200? He threw for 3,200 yards this year. That's the most that Mitch Trubisky threw in a season. Yeah, the, it's, it's Trubisky that season, if you check it out, probably um, it's 14 games he played that year. Started in 14 games that year. Well, Taylor so started in, in, in 16 in, and a half. Taylor started in, in 15. Started in 16 and a half. It started 16, played in 16 and a half. 16. Yeah. Right. Started in 16. Right. So two more games and Trubisky I mean, would have been. pretty there. close, Kevin. I, That's, I, I mean, you're, I, you know what? you're okay. arguing trading for this guy. No, I, How, do, no, I, do, I don't want to trade for Mitch Trubisky. I don't. I'm not a Mitch Trubisky fan. That's not what you asked me. You asked me if I would consider Trubisky to be an upgrade over Heineke. The answer is yes. Enough to trade for him. But it's you're not really... No matter what you think of Trubisky. Well, first of all, Trubisky isn't under contract. He's a free agent, right? Uh, he signed a one-year okay. deal in uh, That's true. in Buffalo. So you're not trading anything for Trubisky. That's true. You're I right. Mean, Again, still not an upgrade. You me. know, the, the funny thing about Trubisky, he's really in many ways just a bigger version of Taylor Heineke, which, by the way, is meaningful because Taylor's not guts. that big. With, Without the guts. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll concede that to you right now. I think Taylor's more of a gamer than Trubisky. But, I, you know, I don't want Trubisky. So here's what I take. Would I, would I take Jimmy G um, over, over Heineke 100%? Would I take a flyer on Tua over, over Heineke? Absolutely. 
Carr, 100%, and I'm not even a big Carr fan. Winston, yes. If Detroit wanted to draft a quarterback and move on from Jared Goff, probably. I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater guy. I'm going to tell you that. I do like Tyrod Taylor to a certain degree, um, and he got bumped by Davis Mills in Houston, who ended up probably being the best of the rookie class this past year. Yeah, that kid. That kid, I saw him for the first time at length on Sunday. Yeah, played in well. In their game against uh, the Titans. That kid can play. Right. You said, you said cool, he liked him coming out of college, right? Loved him. Loved yeah. Davis Mills. Said that this is, he basically said, this is, this is, uh, this is a Kirk Cousins number two. Like, he's going to be uh, smart, quick, can make every throw, just isn't, you know, overly mobile or, you know, an extend-the-play guy, but in the right scheme, he's going to be outstanding. Um. Anyway, where are we going with this? Matt Ryan, I've read everything you've been reading, which is Atlanta's not moving on from him. Right. You know? Doesn't seem to be the case. And, uh... Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking at other names. Nick Foles, no. Sam Darnold, no. Matt Rule apparently said that he thinks Sam Darnold's got a lot more um, to to give. Um, Watson's the one that I see personally. I see Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, Russell Wilson staying in Seattle, and then you know of the three biggies that potentially could be available, Watson would be the other. And then it's a matter of whether or not it's actually doable. I mean, we don't know what's going on it. there. You can't do it. You mean this organization can't do it? Yeah, this organization of all organizations can't do it. Mm -hmm. You might as well take their name and flush it down the toilet. (laughs) Here's here's the the Daily Beast in today's Daily Beast, uh, which is a, a, a credible website, published a letter, an anonymous letter, from one of Sean Watson's accusers to Sean Watson's girlfriend. Okay. It's written, and it, it, you read this letter. It's really, it's really, really stunning. Well, just tell me, net it out for me. Deshaun Watson came into my place of work, my sole means of a modest income, and destroyed my mental health and my career. He destroyed my love for my job and he trust in strangers and my foreseeable future. He terrified me and tried to gratify himself at my expense. He degraded me. Well, other this guy, th- yeah, other than your comment this guy's about the- going to be the new the new commander's <laughs> quarterback, the, the admiral, he's going to be the admiral of the admirals. Um, <laughs> he's going to be the admiral of the commanders. Uh, other than your daily beast comment, um, I think you're. I think that that kind of letter is is really the problem. Is that you're going to have so much outrage and pushback on if you're the team. That signs them, and then if the team, if you're the team, if the team is the Washington Commanders that signs them, and people remember that the Commanders used to be that organization <laughs> that did all the sexual harassment stuff, it's going to be a nightmare. I'm, yeah. I don't think the they team, could, the yeah. team that you know that, that the congressional investigation doesn't end on February second. When they change their name to Commanders, okay. This this isn't like Michael Scott coming out of his office and saying, "I declare bankruptcy." bankruptcy." Yeah, I declare (laughs) bankruptcy, and then poor Oscar's got to explain to him that actually didn't do much. So you think when um, the the House 
uh, in- inquiry uh, people send out the note, they'll say, yeah, w- th- they don't live here anymore. That's that's another <laughs> team. They moved. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's funny. So I don't... I don't think they can do it either. I I just don't think they can. Like, but then yeah. again, who's going to stop them? And and by the way, let me just point back to one thing that you always say. Well, how much lower could it go? Like, the only thing that's going to solve any of this is winning. Like, on one hand, it's like, well, they're not the organization that could do this. On the other hand, it's like, well, what's the downside? What is the downside? Here's how low. Here's how low it can go. This, this, this is this is how lower it can go. Uh, if that committee gets what they want, Dan Snyder sitting uh, on TV in a congressional hearing, answering questions how they signed Deshaun Watson, uh, how they traded for Deshaun Watson. Well, whoever's whoever's representing would say uh, relevance, Your Honor. We're here to discuss the emails. It's a congressional hearing. It's not. <laughs> it's not a trial. It's not a court of law. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, um, that, that, look, their goal is to get Roger Goodell and Dan Snyder in front of them in a committee hearing. You know what I would say? They accomplished that. I would say I'm, run, I'm running a god. I'm running a goddamn business, and I don't have any customers left. And this dude, no matter what he did, is going to help me get a lot of customers back. Sorry. Next question. Oh, by the way, if they That's if good. you continue down this path, I'm going to ditch admirals, and we're going to bring Redskins back. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think honestly, I think that's the only way he could garner any kind of support from what's left of the fan base is to say, yeah, we thought about it um, and we're taking Federal Express off our stadium uh, and we're going to stick with the Redskins. Yeah. Um, what else do we uh, – the quarterback thing is going to be – it's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because yes, they're going after it in a big way. Like always. There's going to be so much off-season entry <laughs> with this team, right. like there always is. They win the off-season, baby. I, by the way, my prediction is this: they draft somebody and they sign one of those second-tier or third-tier guys. That's because I don't think any of the first-tier guys are going to even be available or doable or even want to be here. And then the second-tier guys, like if you consider Derek Carr. And Cousins, you know, uh, if you want to throw Garoppolo into that, um, you know, imagine you trade for Kirk Cousins. You can't get him signed to a contract extension, and you have to franchise tag him in 2023. (laughs) That would be funny. That's Um, a recurring nightmare. You know, last year I did want um, Winston, but I just figured that he was going to stay in New Orleans now that Drew Brees was retired. But I've... I don't know what it is about Winston. I've always had a soft spot for Winston. And I think part of it is the reaction to um, Winston when they signed Brady. He was very much well-respected and beloved by his teammates, by that organization, and by the local media and fan base. Even though he threw yes, 30, he 30 interceptions in one season. I think he's a born, natural kind of leader. I know he has flaws. I understand that. And I'm not even talking about the football flaws. But he still is only, how old is Jameis Winston? 26? 
27. I mean, I, you know, and an ACL injury for a quarterback like him is nothing. I mean, you know, it's not, he'll, he'll be back and he'll be ready to go at the beginning of next year. And uh, look, it may be telling as to what Sean Payton does with him. You know, they don't have a quarterback either. They're in the market for a quarterback. There are a lot of teams that are going to be in the market for a quarterback. I, I was I was looking at some sort of ranking. I think it was a PFF ranking of the quarterbacks this year. Heineke, I think, was 24th out of the 32. Um, but I was looking that, you know, basically from like 16 to 32, it's like, God, you could make the case that every single one of those teams needs a quarterback. Now, some of them don't because they were rookies playing this year. And so they're going to stick with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of teams, you know, in the market for a quarterback. A lot of teams, we're not even sure. Like, Pittsburgh's going to be in in the market for a quarterback. Cleveland's going to more likely be in the market for a quarterback. Um, We'll see what happens with the Dolphins and Tua. Uh, You know, we'll see what the situation in Houston is. Um, we don't know what the Raiders' situation is. Denver needs a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. The Giants you know may need a quarterback. What? Yeah, well, if, look, if the Giants need a quarterback, would you would you be interested in Daniel Jones? I would be. I would be. So would I. I think I think he's pretty good. Well, I don't know and if, if he's, he's not working for a lunatic. I don't know if he's good or not. I it, think he could. He goes into the category of Tua for me. Like I don't know that we. I don't know that we really have an answer yet. So if there's potential there, I'm for potential at this point if I can't, you know, land on on a big fish. And I think I know what Taylor Heineke's potential is, and that is as a backup quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, Daniel Jones, I mean, bad team, really bad team he was on. But I also wasn't very impressed with him this year, and I thought I might end up being more impressed with him this year. But but Jones has – I'm just looking to see um, when do they have to pick up – did they pick up the fifth-year option or did they pick that up at the end of this year? Because he's under contract next year. I think they already picked up the fifth-year option. Oh, no, the fifth-year option's still available on him. So we'll see what the Giants are going to do in this offseason. Yeah. It's going to depend on who they – you know, the GM and new coach. Okay. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Pittsburgh. And uh, all the stories I've read about Pittsburgh moving forward from Ben Roethlisberger, I haven't seen anything mentioned Dwayne Haskins. No, me neither. Yeah, they're in the market Not for a quarterback. One. They know enough, yeah. I think, at this point. Okay, uh, yeah. I want to finish up the show by talking about Maryland's incredible um, game last night uh, against Northwestern. Also, the Wizards win and maybe one or two other things. And we will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This segment of the podcast is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they will double your deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. So make a deposit, sign up, and you'll have twice as much money in your account to wager with. Every single prop bet you can imagine for the NFL playoffs uh, is out there. And then, of course, they'll have all of the game action uh, as well. Uh, two games Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday night. Go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll take uh, good care of you, uh, doubling your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. All right. Um, Real quickly on the Wizards win last night, man, they have had a schedule here, you know, of just doormats. I mean, they lost to the Rockets last week, which was unfortunate, but their last three games have been to the Magic, Thunder, and Magic. I mean, two, uh, well, the, the Magic are the worst team in the league, and the Thunder is one of the best, uh, worst teams in the league. And they, it's not like they blew out any of these, these opponents. Now, they've been missing Beal. Uh, you know, in in COVID protocol, they got Thomas Bryant back la- last night. They got Hachimura back the other night. the The thing that I wanted to mention from this game is just that Spencer Dinwiddie, in his last three games, has pulled off something that I don't know. I'm sure it's been done. I'm not suggesting that it hasn't been done. I, and I don't think it's been done by anybody in this organization in a long time. But in three straight games. He's played uh, 31, 34, and 32 minutes. He's been their primary ball handler, and he has zero turnovers in three games. That's really amazing. He had another decent game last night, 17 points, four assists, two rebounds. He was 22 and 10 the other night, but zero turnovers for the third straight game for Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that's really hard to do for the guy that's handling the ball more than anybody else on your team three consecutive games, no matter how bad the competition is. And Kyle Kuzma just continues to play yes. at a really high level. Uh, an all-star level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. n- near triple-double last night, 19-10, nine assists. The game he had on Sunday, we never talked about it because it was all about football on Monday show and Tuesday show. He had 27 points and 22 rebounds in their win Sunday. That's an, that's an Elvin Hayes game. God, that is. That is a big uh, game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Wizards have a, a much tougher schedule coming up. Uh, they play now not, not necessarily – um, on Saturday night against Portland, uh, especially with Lillard uh, gone, but they've got Brooklyn twice coming up. They've got uh, they've got Milwaukee. They've got Phoenix. They've got Toronto. They've got Philly. They've got uh, the Clippers. They've got a much uh, Miami. They've got a much tougher road here over the next month leading into the trade deadline. But a lot of home games. A lot of home games. They're twenty two and twenty. Through 42 games, this time last year through through 42 games, they were 15 and 27. So they're having 
a good season. I know the last month has been up and down, and COVID has really you know been impactful to them as it has been to many teams. But you know they're twenty two and twenty. They haven't collapsed. No, they have not collapsed. Um, Maryland last night. Wow, what a basketball game! So, for those of you that don't know what happened, Maryland was zero and four going into their Big Ten game last night at Northwestern. One of those four losses came to Northwestern, which was the first game without Mark Turgeon. Um, they uh, So they had their rematch last night in Evanston, Illinois. Um, Maryland was a five-and-a-half-point underdog to Northwestern. Northwestern nearly beat Michigan State a couple of days ago, Michigan State number 10 in the country. Um, and Maryland and Northwestern played, at times, a very ugly game, and at other times, a pretty exciting game. But what happened at the end of regulation must be discussed. Maryland had a six-point lead with the ball with 19.4 seconds left in the game. And they blew the lead, ended up going to not one overtime, but two overtimes before they finally won the game 94-87. to Now, how did they blow a, a game that was over with 19.4 seconds, like whatever the win probability ESPN thing is, it was in the high 90s when they were up six with the ball and 19.4 seconds left. But this is a pet peeve of mine, man. I see it every night at every level. I am always amazed at how many teams struggle to get the ball in bounds against full court pressure. And the way they do it in such disorganized fashion. This was one of the things that I used to be, you know, constructively critical when it came to Turgeon. It was Operation Get Open with Anthony Cowan. It's like, oh, Anthony will get open. No, you got to run plays. You've got to screen. You've got to run different things to get people open against full court pressure. And Maryland couldn't get the ball in bounds, turned it over. They hit a three. Now it's a three point game. Then they throw it in bounds again. It knocks off Eric Ayala's foot and out of bounds. So it's now Northwestern's ball down three. But wait a minute. They're going to the scorer's table, and they see that Dante Scott took his elbow forearm and jammed it into the neck of a Northwestern player out of frustration over the previous turnover. So you had a flagrant foul. This is at the end of regulation, so you've had a six-point lead cut to three, and now Northwestern not only has the ball, but they're going to shoot two free throws before they get the ball. They made both of them, and so with 13 seconds left, they had the ball down one, where six seconds earlier, they were down six and didn't have the ball. It was crazy. They did not take the lead, but they got fouled. Dante did a poor job playing defense on Nance. Fouled out. Nance made one of two. Merrill missed a shot at the end of regulation. They were down four in the first overtime, came back and forced the second overtime. And then in the second overtime, Fats Russell was terrific. In fact, he was terrific in both of the overtimes. And Maryland got their first Big Ten win. I've been telling you, Tommy, that it feels very much like a lost season you know, after Turgeon, you know, resigned. Um, it feels very much like an interim season, and all of the focus is going to be on, okay, who who's the next coach? 
But I've also told you they don't suck. Like, it's not a bad team. They don't have a lot of depth, um, but they they have some good players. Eric Ayala is a big-time player. He had 26 last night. Fats Russell's one of the better transfers, and he played great last night. You know, Scott and Hart are good players. They've got they lost to Wisconsin, the number 13 team in the country, by one on Sunday night. They were up five at Illinois, a ranked team, last week. And they only lost by five at Iowa in a game that they led in the second half last week as well. They are nine and seven overall, one and four in the Big Ten. And in every single game that they've lost, with the exception of the George Mason game, actually, they've had the lead in the second half. Um, if they had lost last night, I think the season was over in a big way. Over. Um, because you ju- you don't recover from that. When it's already tenuous and you blow a lead like that, that would have been unbelievable to blow a lead like that and lose, and they nearly did. But they play Rutgers now uh, on, on Saturday, and I think they're going to win games. I told you this last week. I think Maryland's good enough to win games in the Big Ten. They've got to get to 500, which means they got to finish nine and six to get to ten and ten and have a chance at the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to do that personally, but um, they've been fun to watch in a certain way because Danny Manning and those players have not given up on the season. That's all I have. Do you have anything on that, or do you have any questions? No, no, I have, I have no questions. Okay. I would hope that that look. I, I, I'm rooting for Danny Manning. Uh, I liked him as a player. I don't know much about how he's done as a coach. Uh, I know he wasn't successful where at Wake Forest. Yeah, more more right? successful at Tulsa uh, before Wake, but no, he he was not very good at yeah. Wake Forest. Yeah, but I'm I'm pulling for Danny Manning to uh, to get this team competitive and not have them fall too far behind in the Big Ten part of their schedule. Yeah, the Big Ten's um, interesting this year. It's I don't know if there's a national championship team. There probably isn't. I'm not even sure if there's a Final Four team, but there are probably four to five teams capable of making it to the second weekend at least. And once again, it's a league that really might have one truly weak team, and that's it, and that's Nebraska. Nebraska's terrible for some reason. Um, but everybody else is, I mean, Maryland's one and four, Northwestern's one and four, and Maryland, again, in the four losses, they led by four or five points in the second half in all of their losses against, you know, two ranked teams and another team that's borderline close to being ranked. So anyway, whatever. What else you got for today? Is that it? Well, uh, no, I got one last thing. Okay. And I'm, I'm thinking it's going to mean something to you. Uh Ronnie Spector. Forty years ago, huh? Oh, no, no, no. I I, was... I, I, not a not a big Ronnie Spector okay. fan. I thought that's what you were Okay. Forty years ago, today was the Air Florida crash. Oh my God! Forty years ago today, the Flight ninety crash into the Fourteenth Street Bridge. Uh, I wasn't in Washington then. I was a year from moving. I was still up in, in the Poconos. I remember watching it on TV. Do you remember where you were? I know exactly where I was. Um, okay. It was a day off from school, um, high school, because of the snowstorm. And I had 
Um, I did not have a car available to me, so I hitchhiked. Back then, hitchhiking was a big deal, remember? I hitchhiked. Oh, I hitchhiked when I was young. Yeah. yeah. I hitchhiked over to my girlfriend's house, the girl that I was dating at the time. And then um, I literally, you know, it was late afternoon, early evening. I hitchhiked home, and in the car that I was riding in, the guy had the radio on, and it came on on the radio that Air Florida there had been a there there, there had been a plane crash in D.C. on the 14th Street Bridge, and so then when I got home, you know, you sat there and you watched the whole thing, and you watched what was what was that guy's name Resnick or Ret I forget um, Lenny Lenny Scutnick. Scutnick Lenny Scutnick you yeah. know jump in to the to the thing it was unbelievable. Do you ever watch the show Air Disasters? No, I never do. The episode on... Because I, mean, I fly, so I don't watch a show about air <laughs> Well, you know, um, you know, Steve Buckhans is like, you know, the expert of air disasters. So we always talk about this stuff. And, <laughs> and I, you know, it was probably like five years ago. He's like, turn on air disasters. They got the Air Florida flight uh, thing. And I'll tell you what's really uh, awful to hear is the, the, um, the cockpit recorder between the, the pilots. Um, because... You know, it was something like, uh, you know, hey, uh, Joey, we're going down. Joey, we're going down. Like, it is just, I mean, it's so awful. It's so yeah. horrifying to hear. But this was a big and very important crash in the future of de-icing because that plane was de-iced at the gate uh, and it was not de-iced in the long lead-up to its takeoff. And before this accident, they did not, I think I'm right about this, they did not de-ice aircraft once they left the gate. Well, I'm glad they do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, hold on, I want to I pull this up because I want to see if I'm right about this was the one that changed de-icing. And the de-icing procedures. Oh, God, there's so much on this Air Florida crash. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there were, okay, so there were 79 occupants, 74 passengers, five crew members, 74 fatalities, five injuries, and just five survivors. And then there were four ground fatalities on the 14th Street Bridge. As the plane went right. down, um, a couple of cars were essentially, you know, taken out with passengers yeah. in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, God, that was one of those surreal Washington days. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget yeah. coming back from my girlfriend Patty's house um, in that car with that dude who had the uh, had the radio on. Nobody hitchhikes anymore, do they? Do they do it out west? Somebody told me once. I think it was Cooley who said, "There's still you'll still see hitchhikers out west every once in a while." I don't know if they do. When I was in high school, uh, I used to do it, and I had a real good friend who used to do it all the time. Many years later, in fact, I remember picking him up on Route 80 <laughs> in New Jersey, back coming back from a, a Mets game, and there he was in the middle of Jersey on Route 80. And his philosophy was, there's enough cars for me out there. I don't need to get one. Oh. There's a lot of cars for me out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
that it's it, it was it was so common to be driving down you know a road and see one person after another with their arm out and a thumb and in cars yeah. pulling over as if you know nobody yeah. worried about it it's crazy by yeah. the way i'm just reading about this um basically the you know air florida essentially went out of business after this flight and the um uh yeah, the investigation was essentially large pieces of ice had built up on the wings and the plane wasn't any, it, it stopped the engine's anti-ice heaters or whatever and gave them bad responses, I guess, in the cockpit. But it was, um, that was a big storm too. I mean, that was, I, I remember it being a really cold day and a big storm and, you know, I, we were just excited to get school off. Um, all right. Thank you for reminding me of that. God, I, that, those are 40 years ago. Wow. Jesus. All right. What else you got for me? That's all I got for you, boss. All right. Everybody have a great day. Back tomorrow. I declare bankruptcy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.